Welcome to the Unlocked Crypto Podcast. This podcast is not financial advice. It's meant for entertainment purposes only. These are just the opinions of a couple of Bramble and Rex. All right, Hal. Great to see you. Uh, I think this is going to be an interesting discussion. Oh, you and I have been talking about crypto for over four years at this point. And I think when we first started talking about crypto, it was one of those things that was kind of taboo to talk about. And everybody kind of laughed at you if they, if they heard you were in it. Uh, I, I think that's changed quite a bit. And my hope with all this is uh, allow a lot of the people that we've talked to to kind of get inside our brains and hear what we've been thinking about and doing, just because you and I are probably two of the more analytical people out there in the world. Um, so it'll be interesting for others to hear kind of what we're doing and what our view is. So um, starting off, what I, I thought we would do is maybe just talk about some of the positive news in the crypto space. And I think um, maybe I'll, I'll start real quick and then I'll pass it over to you. Just some of the things that, that's going on that's really intriguing. Um, one of the, the largest companies in the world, Walmart, just announced that they are looking into creating their own crypto coin. Uh, and on top of that, uh, looking into creating NFTs and getting involved in the metaverse. So, and I know we're not going to talk too much about the metaverse, at least on this this first call, um, but that is something that is becoming extremely important in, in the future or for the future. Uh, and then on top of that, you also have uh, countries like Brazil. So Rio in Brazil is now putting 1% of all their treasury in a Bitcoin. Uh, and I think they're even working on creating their own uh, crypto coin to Rio token or something like that. So just really positive news out there. And I know you're more focused on Bitcoin. So maybe what's your thought as far as uh, positive news on the Bitcoin side? Oh, yeah. Yeah. My uh, my mine involves Latin America, too. Um, so El Salvador, I'm really focused on keeping up with El Salvador and seeing what they're doing. They're way out in front. Uh, Rio is doing 1% as, as a city. Miami is doing 1% or are putting some of their reserves into crypto. Um, El Salvador adopted it as a legal tender countrywide and really pushed it out to merchants and accelerated the adoption across the country. Um, they put a bunch of their reserves, I don't know what percentage, but uh, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of US dollars into Bitcoin. So Moody's came out and downgraded their bond rating to a CAA1 which means very high risk. Um, of course, I'm looking at this on Twitter and the president of El Salvador retweets it and says, El Salvador DGAF. Uh, so That's awesome. they, the, the amount of conviction that these guys have, like El Salvador is almost like the micro strategy of countries, like way early, way out in front and in a big way, not just one or 2%, but, just adopting it, using it, currency reserves, and they're releasing this Bitcoin bond that's uh, going to raise a billion dollars of U.S. dollars and start to replace their IMF funding uh, and debt. So he can start to, I mean, he's way early to start talking trash uh, to like the global financial markets, but he's way early to adopt Bitcoin too. Um, but if he can, if he can finance his country's bonds with dollars backed by Bitcoin, then he doesn't have to care what, uh, what Moody says about their bond rating. Um, so it's, it's, 
I don't know, it's good. It's probably viral kind of marketing for him to kind of put posts out like that. But it's uh, keep an eye on El Salvador is worth it. Um, I think they're like the first domino to fall for Latin America. Lots of countries are like them um, where they export their talent and labor and they import U.S. dollars and they're paying 10, 20 percent in order to get those dollars transferred from the United States to uh, families back in, in the home country. So there's a lot of people are watching El Salvador. I'm sure Turkey's watching El Salvador uh, to see how this Bitcoin experiment works. Um, so that's, that's the, the, the one piece that I was looking at. And then the other side on the price action side, Bitcoin crossed uh, their 50 day moving average crossed their 200 day moving average, which is a bad thing for price, uh, a death cross. And typically that signifies like downward momentum, but nobody's talking about it. And it just feels like it's in the chop of this, you know, 30 to $60,000 range that we've kind of been bound to for almost a year. Um, so it, nobody seems to care much that, you know, one of the like bad technical analysis signals just came through. It's not being talked about, but uh, it's, it might signal a, a good time to enter for new people. So that, that flows right into uh, kind of how we got into it. So I'll, I'll let you talk about how you got into it since it's, since you got me into it. <laughs> yeah. So I was looking back a little bit at um, when I got in and it was, I think September, early September of 2017. Um, so it was one of those things that I have been always kind of that typical Gen Xer that anti government and doesn't trust them. And I started seeing, understanding what the value of the U.S. dollar was doing over time. Um, and, and talking with some people, I had really spent a lot of time uh, trying to understand gold and silver because I kept hearing that gold and silver was going to be one of the best hedges against the U.S. dollar. Uh, so the, I, I ended up watching uh, Mike Maloney's Hidden Secrets of Money and just understanding w how the U.S. dollar is actually used and um, how governments use fiat currency in general and why you should be uh, loading up with gold and silver. And the more that I learned about that, the more that I was like, man, I feel like crypto would be much easier to deal with than having a, a bar of gold or silver coins and things like that. And then at the same time, I, I had a buddy who um, I had been talking to and Bitcoin had been doing really well before then. And he's like, how are you not in this right now? You're the one that told me about this quite a while ago and I, I had even joked back in like 2014 i was trying to get some buddies that i played a golf tournament with to pay me in bitcoin for the golf um and of course everybody thought i was crazy and uh now i really wish they would <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it, it it ended up being um a pretty fun ride in 2017 i think when i first bought it within four or five days bitcoin dropped like 35 percent. so <laughs> just typical bitcoin right uh, and then from there, it went from right around $3,000 up to close to 20000 by the end of the year. So it was a, a really fun ride. And I think that's probably when you shortly got in right after me. Um, and we, we had a lot of fun discussions on, will this ever stop? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So when I got into it, uh, I mean, Bitcoin got on my radar in like 2012. I think USA Today had it. Uh, when it broke a thousand dollars or every time it hit some number, but I mean, I was like, never for me. Right. It's, I, I was working, I was, you know, working on the career family stuff. So I never really like took the time to dive into Bitcoin. The information just wasn't out there either. 
um, you had to really find it. And Coinbase didn't exist. So even onboarding and, and tra- converting U.S. dollars into Bitcoin was not easy. And so it was just not on my radar. And then you started talking to me about it. Um, and at that time, I was about two years into real estate investment. So I was converting profits from a small business that we ran into rental property because I was like, at any day, this small business is going to go under and we need to be able to have like, we need to be able to at least try to pay for some of these bills with some kind of investment money while the business is struggling. So we've got a few little rental houses here and there uh, and we're kind of getting into it. I was, I had discovered podcasts and like how you can educate yourself with podcasts. Um, so, you know, I, I spent a hundred hours listening to like bigger pockets and another real estate investing podcast to kind of get my feet wet and then dove in. And so I was already converting us dollars into other things because I don't want to hold on to us dollars because they just sit there. Um, and I really wasn't, you know, 2016, 17 inflation's like 2%, you know, you don't feel it. It's not that big of a deal. So I was, I wasn't really thinking about us dollars problems, but I was like thinking about my own personal finance uh, what happens if the bottom drops out of my primary income? You know, what kind of secondary income streams can I have? And so you started talking, we started talking about crypto and Bitcoin. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to listen about for every hour of, of real estate podcast, I'm going to listen to an hour of crypto and Bitcoin podcast. And so I learned more and more and uh, started buying. And I was like, all right, well, I'll, instead of buying another rental property, I'll just buy crypto. And so I rolled some funds into crypto and like same kind of deal. It was like October, 2017. So I got on like, as things were ramping up and it was wild. Like, like you could just watch the price go up 10, 20% in a day. Uh, and I'm like, this is, this is not for everybody. Like this, this is hard to do. Cause like you could drop 35% in a day. And I mean, you could, it, it was wild. And so I'm like, man, this is money I can lose. It's just not the end of the world, but you know, I don't want to lose it. Um, and at that time, Coinbase only had Bitcoin, Litecoin and Ethereum. And so that was like my primary holding. And then you had to go to like these rando exchanges to get into other smaller uh, altcoins. So I was like in China, like Poloniex and exchanges that don't exist now pulling small uh, all coins and stuff. Um, but, uh, and then, you know, 2018 happens and everything drops and I'm like, well, this is, that, uh, that's kind of what I thought might happen. So, uh, I didn't pay as much attention and, and then just picked up some Bitcoin in 18, 19 and 20, like with really not a lot of focus. I really focused on the business. Um, and then that led into like the 2021 ramp up or the end of 2020 and early 2021. Uh, that kind of got us here. So that was, uh, that was it. But the one thing I did want to talk about is when I first got in, I paid for a service from a guy who was like a stock picker guy and he was started picking crypto stuff and doing some research and he got scammed by like a scam coin and they convinced him that this, it was backed by gold. And it was like, you know, this thing is, is, a, you know, this going places. It's, it's basically a, a gold standard crypto that had hard, gold assets to back it up and it was all nonsense it was just made up it was like a boiler room company uh and so just when you're new to this it's just 
you're drinking from a fire hose. There's so many different uh, cryptocurrencies to look into. And then, so you, I just heads up to people that are getting, getting off the ground. Like some of these smaller altcoins, they're just legitimate bad guys out there trying to take people's money. Like that exists. So heads up. Yeah. I think that's uh, kind of ties into one of the reasons why I wanted to do this, this whole podcast too. Right. I mean, getting started in crypto is a very scary thing to do because there's so many things you can do wrong to lose your money completely and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, and, and that's probably one of the reasons that it took me so long to get in is the user interface for crypto when we started was horrible. And you could oh, argue yeah. that it's, I mean, it's better now, but it's still got quite a while away before it's super easy, I think, for everybody to do. So um, having someone to kind of walk you through what they did and point out where all the landmines are, I think is a huge deal getting started. Once you get started, it gets a lot more comfortable to do these little things but man that first step into crypto you have no idea what you're getting yourself into yeah going from zero to one in crypto is a big deal and mm -hmm. once you have like once you lay the tracks on how you go from us dollars into bitcoin or whatever other uh, cryptocurrencies you've choose once those tracks are laid like okay i'm gonna put some more in. i'm gonna put some more in. you know oh, that's that's easy but man going from zero to one is tough <laughs> it's funny now how um, I went from like double checking everything at the beginning to now I'm like sitting in front of somebody and saying, Oh yeah, here's how you buy a thousand dollars worth of crypto and just press a couple of buttons and show how to do that. I'm like, Oh, okay. I don't even think about it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, so yeah. So from that, um, I think talking about getting, getting other people, like people that are new to Bitcoin or new to crypto, like, it is important to put some thought into it before you 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 make the jump and start to to convert U.S. dollars into cryptocurrencies. Um, so there's a few things that that I think, or when I talk to people, I try to get them to understand. Um, either one, you need to do the research and you need to understand what you're getting yourself into. Um, I, you know, I think maybe 40 hours worth of research in order to understand Bitcoin enough to where you can feel comfortable with it. Um, some people are curious like that. Some people are technical like that and they're into it and, and they they like the economic side and they understand it and they want to dive in. And some people are just sick and tired of other people making money on Bitcoin and they just want to get into it. And so like you kind of need to decide who you are um, because it kind of doesn't matter as long as you're getting in and you want to get in and it's, it's something you want to get into. But I suggest everybody does some research because it's fascinating. It's super interesting. Um, I'm a kind of an entrepreneurial guy. So I get distracted by like the next new thing pretty easily. Uh, like going from real estate into, into cryptocurrencies and um, starting up small companies where we import goods from China and try to sell them on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just, uh, you know, like I like to try new stuff uh, and, I like to research different things. And, and I mean, we're uh, over four years into me le learning about Bitcoin and I'm still like listening to podcasts every day. So it's, it's pretty fascinating uh, and it's a pretty deep rabbit hole. You're, uh, you're not going to run out of things to learn. Um, so when you get off of zero, when you make that decision, whatever your, whatever your thesis is to get from, from zero Bitcoin or zero crypto into some uh, crypto, you need to kind of figure out, okay, what, what, what am I willing to, to convert from my net worth into this asset class? Um, you know, it's, it feels like a gamble when you don't know what you're doing, right? Like 
roulette, you don't know what numbers are going to pop up. So it's, it's gambling. If you don't understand cryptocurrency, like all of those altcoins seem the same. Like, oh, well, Ethereum is bigger and it, you know, it's pretty expensive per token. Um, and the look at, and the market cap, you know, is, is high. So like, it feels like a better, safer thing. And then, but then you just kind of walk down the top 10. But if you go and look at the top 10 from when we jumped in and the top 10 from now, I mean, and, and you got like Dogecoin and, and uh, Shibu Inu are in the top 10. So, you know, like it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty difficult to, to pick true winners. So you kind of need to understand, all right, this is the amount of money that I'm willing to put in. If it gets cut in half, it's not the end of the world for me. I can ride it out. Um, so, you know, I, talk, I usually talk to people. I think Ray Dalio used to say one or 2% of your net worth. Um, you know, a lot of like traditional investments are like uh, 10% of your net worth should be in gold. And so I think a certain percentage of that 10% is appropriate to allocate towards, um, you know, digital assets. Uh, I'm a Bitcoin guy, like 95% of my cryptocurrency investments in Bitcoin. So I'm like, I'm going to talk about Bitcoin. I think I understand it better than any of the others. It doesn't seem to shift and change and, and you know, go from proof of work to proof of stake and have all these different uh, conversions into different things or, or like basically it feels like a business decision to pivot that some of these cryptocurrencies have. Like Bitcoin doesn't do that. Like Bitcoin doesn't pivot. They make little tweaks, you know, on based on consensus. Um, and so that's, you know, that's one thing. So, Again, it's not like financial advice, right? This is just kind of what people kind of think. Um, but, you know, figure out what amount of U.S. dollars you're wanting to get in. It may be like, man, I'm just going to buy 50, 100 bucks and just get from, like some people feel like zero is the wrong number, right? Like, I don't know what the right number is, but zero is probably wrong. Um, and so when you figure out that number, then it's time to figure out, OK, what well, what, you know, what exchanges am I going to use? How am I going to get on it? Um, and I'll let you kind of kind of talk about actually how to change from U.S. dollars into cryptocurrency. Yeah, so a couple of things to add to that. I know you mentioned Ray Dalio mentioned, saying 1% to 2%. He's changed that. So he's now at 5% and higher. So he's become a big right. Bitcoin advocate uh, the more he finds out. And I do think it's something um, if the, the first thing you probably should do is just go read the Bitcoin white paper. Everybody should do that. It, it's even though it's a white paper, it's not as complicated as um, most white papers out there. And I think it does give a pretty good understanding of why cryptocurrency exists and um, the benefits in the future. So uh, a good starting point for everybody. As far as exchanges, it's funny you mentioned 95% of your your holdings are probably Bitcoin. Um, I would say 95% of my assets are in crypto <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm not but, but uh, I, I would also say that i um while i don't hold all of it in bitcoin i do think bitcoin is where you're going to find kind of the safest return on on investment right so most of the people that are holding altcoins are doing so to see a huge altcoin surge and then they're selling their profits back into bitcoin so yeah, I heard depending... someone someone described it as like when you feel like you're late to Bitcoin, you're motivated to enter into altcoins in order to have a shot at catching up to Bitcoin. And yeah. I, I think people need to understand that that's that's a mentality that a lot of people have. And if you have that, Bitcoin can be good enough, right? Like 
if especially if you're looking at where we're, we're, we're in a super weird time in stock market terms, bond market terms, real estate terms, um, gold's weird, you know, so, um, you know, you need to understand kind of where all the risk is. You'd be holding dollars is weird. Uh, I mean, 7% CPI, 14, 15, 20% actual, you know, asset inflation. Everything's weird. So pick your weird and go for it. Yeah. So I, I will say that um, looking back at things and I try not to think about this too much, if I just would have stayed 100% in Bitcoin, then I'd be much better off from where I am. Although I've learned quite a bit and I hope that the future will definitely change with some of the things that I'm doing. So, um, but yeah, so to, to dive into kind of the exchange side of things, I mean, I think there's a couple of things that we can chat about and we'll try to provide some links in the show notes um, so that you have to, you, you go to the right spot. I think the other big thing about crypto in general is making sure that you do go to the right website um, and security is one of the biggest issues because if you do give up your keys um, or, or anything special like that, your passwords, there's a chance that someone could hack that and drain your account. So, um, yeah. So I, I think the, the easiest thing, and you talked about El Salvador previously, uh, one of the things that they did was they airdropped like $30 in Bitcoin to every single one of their their citizens. And what they did that using an app called Strike. And that's become one of the easiest things to do just because you're able to buy and sell Bitcoin on the Lightning Network. And that's a whole other rabbit hole to go down into what the Lightning Network is for Bitcoin. But um, by far, I found that's probably one of my preferred ways to get little bits of Bitcoin um, at one time, just because there's no fees, right? So um, for those people wanting to kind of step in and see what Bitcoin is like, just do that. You, you tie it to your bank account using Plaid. Um, what I've done for almost all of my accounts is I have a separate checking account or actually a savings account that I tie all my uh, cryptocurrency accounts to so that it's not my main checking account that it's taking the money in and out of. So, uh, and then on top of Strike, um, Coinbase is probably the biggest, right? You and I have both spent a lot of money for Coinbase, giving them lots of money and fees. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the thing to know about Coinbase is there's there's two versions of it. The main version is Coinbase, and then they have kind of the advanced version of Coinbase Pro. Um, the benefit of Coinbase Pro is the fees are probably what a third of the Coinbase fees. So much yeah, less. Yeah, the fee. more you spend, it, it gets pretty low pretty quick. When if you if you decide, you know, you're going to put thousands of dollars into cryptocurrencies, going with Pro is good, especially if you've already traded. Uh, like through a brokerage accounts with stocks, like on TD Ameritrade or E-Trade or any of those other things, you, I think you can get into Coinbase Pro and it makes sense pretty quickly if you've already done some of those trading. If you've never traded a stock and you've always had a guy do all of your financial advising, um, Coinbase is probably better. It's just, it's, it's very simplified. I feel like their navigation is tough. Like if you want to find your portfolio and then jump to other areas. I think that it's not super intuitive, but they make it pretty easy to buy uh, cryptocurrency. They do. And and they also have come out with a new beta program, Coinbase One or something like that, where it's a subscription fee. So you pay like $29 a month and you pay zero fees. So depending on how much you're going to be investing into crypto, that might be worthwhile to, to get zero fees. I haven't run the math to see how many thousands of dollars that would take. But I don't. I don't think it's much more than a few thousand dollars. I wouldn't month. think so. Yeah, 
because uh, I, I want to say if you do like 200 bucks, it's a $3 fee. So, and then it's whatever percent after that. We, we need to look that up, but yeah, if you're going to, if you're going to go in in a big way, I wouldn't just go normal Coinbase because the fees are going to be, uh, I mean, you know, 1% gets you to a financial advisor in traditional investments. Like the whole point of crypto is personal sovereignty. And, you know, you you don't have to go through all these middlemen and, and pay them a quarter percent here and a half a percent there in order to get between you and your assets. So it kind of is, it feels like old school finance when you're buying through Coinbase, like traditional Coinbase. So it is kind of, but, but, if, but if it's your way to onboard and you've never done anything in crypto, maybe it's good that it feels like you're, you're going through the old channels. Yeah. And I will say, so Coinbase is good because they have both a website and an app. Um, although anybody that's been in crypto for a while, I think is super frustrated with Coinbase. Just their support is not great. Uh, their fees are, <laughs> their fees are high. So um, it's not really the ideal place. I think that a lot of people do go anymore, um, but it is one of those that they're probably the biggest guy and it's, in crypto, you want to have multiple ways to get in and out in case anything gets shut down because exchanges have problems and they have to shut down for some amount of time. You never know what's going to happen. So um, the other one that I have become a new fan of is Voyager. And it's pretty new, but that's where I've been buying probably the, my last um, 10 or so buys have been in Voyager. Uh, the benefit of Voyager, so it, it, the guy that started, I think, used to run E-Trade many, many years ago. Uh, and what he has done is try to add a couple of benefits to people getting in. So there are really no fees per se. I mean, it's the no fees, but they're still, they take a little bit of a cut, kind of similar to what everybody else does. Like just on the spread. Have, yeah, the spread. They just don't have that extra fee that everybody else is charging. And then the other big thing that they do is once you have a minimum amount of a certain crypto, you actually can get some of those uh, rewards back. So with Bitcoin, I think you get like four and a half percent back right now, but you have to have 0.02 Bitcoin at least in there. So Coinbase doesn't have that. Um, like Polkadot, which you and I have talked quite a bit about, right? Um, Voyager does the 12% back just for holding a certain number of those, right? So there are some benefits of that and they make it super simple. I mean, they pay you out monthly, so it's not a day-to-day -day thing, um, but it is really easy for people to get into and get some sort of return without really doing anything other than just holding those coins in their account. So uh, on top of that, I mean, I know there's a, shoot, uh, quite a few other accounts that you and I have probably used in the past. So um, Kraken's a big one, FTX, crypto.com. You're starting to see a lot of these from the commercials. Mm -hmm. uh, FTX, they acquired Blockfolio, which I think is kind of a requirement for most people to get, just to be able to track what they have. Yep. Um, I personally haven't really used ftx to buy and sell uh i know i have used crypto.com i haven't been a huge fan and i think they just got hacked here recently too um, all the coinbase has been hacked so it's it's nothing new everybody's going to be hacked at some point the question is uh what's how is that exchange going to treat your money when you do get hacked are they going to get yeah. back to you they're going to give you a percentage back what's going to happen so but that's a good segue into talking about keeping your money on that exchange uh or or choosing an exchange where you can transfer because like now this may change or it may have changed, but PayPal and Robinhood, if you buy Bitcoin on PayPal or Robinhood, it's like, like locked in to PayPal or Robinhood. Like you can't 
transfer from PayPal into into a hardware wallet or into your Coinbase account, which I think is very anti cryptocurrency. Like it just the the whole reason you get into it is so that you take ownership of your assets. And so, uh, just uh, you know, as a heads up, I wouldn't use any exchange that doesn't allow you to to send your assets from that the exchange that you made the purchase on into wherever you want to hold your your funds um because you you should be able to move your assets around based on whoever's got the best deal or whoever's got the best safest practices or whoever's offering the best rewards or into a hardware wallet where you can store it you know securely however you like um so i'm surprised paypal hasn't opened it up i'm not surprised Robinhood is still doing what they're doing based on just kind of how they behave yeah, so I, I, I do use both PayPal and Venmo, right? Just when I have extra cash in there, I, I kind of put it in crypto because I think it's going to go up, but I, I don't put a lot in there. That's definitely not where I recommend putting a line share. I know uh, Square's Cash App is attaching itself to Lightning Network. So I, I think it'll actually provide you the ability to move your crypto in and out of there pretty easily. Um, but I haven't really used that personally. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm the same way with PayPal. Like I've got X numbers of, of dollars in PayPal. And I know that I'm not going to spend all of them in any short period of time. So any amount of money that I have, I throw it into Bitcoin and just let it roll. And I haven't converted it back. I'm not good at selling out of Bitcoin and back into US dollars. So it's just it just keeps riding. Well, and my biggest problem with PayPal and Venmo and those guys is man, their fees are so expensive. So if you thought Coinbase was expensive, <laughs> uh, PayPal becomes much more expensive. But that being said, for most people getting started, it might not be a bad thing because it's hard to screw up, right? I mean, you are just hitting buy and sell. You're not having to transfer a 64 hexadecimal code from one place to another. Oh yeah. The first time you check, the first time you double check the code and you look at every single letter, it's it's so nerve wracking. It's (laughs) unbelievable. And PayPal takes all of that away. It ba- but yeah. PayPal does provide like, all right, here's your U.S. dollars and here's your Bitcoin and here's your Ethereum and here's what they're all doing. You know, it's, it's all relative to the U.S. dollar. But, you know, if you're outpacing the dollar by 15 percent, at least you're break even on what you can afford to buy. Right. So yeah. at least it might change into the way people think. And so that it's not just like the U.S. dollar, period. Um you know, like, you know, once you start buying into other assets like real estate, like, man, if real estate appreciates, I'm doing well. Like if if Bitcoin appreciates, I'm doing well. But it, it does still all tie back to the U.S. dollar. I'm starting to have like one foot into Bitcoin denominated uh, wealth and one foot into U.S. dollar denominated wealth. But like that's four years, tons of reading, tons of listening to people that are like fully on the Bitcoin standard instead of the U.S. dollar. And I mean, I don't think a lot of people are reading that much. Yeah, I think we still have a ways to go. I mean, if you look at just what the the market cap is of Bitcoin compared to other assets, it's just a drop in the bucket. And yeah. and there's still, I think, an opportunity for that market cap to do tens of X's, if not much higher than that right, in, in the future. And the future is 5, 10, 15 years out, whatever it is. Um, so there, there's still a lot of opportunity for people to make, I think, quite a bit of money and, and beat inflation. Uh, the, the big thing, kind of going back to what you were saying earlier with uh, like Shiba Inu in the top 10, people are buying that because they see prices of like 10 thousandths of a penny. 
but it, the market cap is so huge. And that's what most people just miss out on is even for that to go to a penny, the market cap of that would have to be larger than all the world economies times a multiple of a hundred or something like that. Like it's, it's, it's crazy. Right. So th- th- there's so much to learn about crypto and um, sticking with your Bitcoins and maybe Ethereum to start with is, is probably one of the best bets. And then as you start to progress, there are a lot of other places to play around with and, and get very aggressive if you want to. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, it's Bitcoin's volatile, but all coins can be way more volatile. Yeah. Yeah. When Bitcoin goes down, usually all the altcoins go down a lot more. So that's if you look at when you start looking at charts of all the altcoins versus Bitcoin, most of them just trend down to the right. Not many of them keep up to the the Bitcoins up and to the right. I should say nonstop, but trending up and to the right. Now, there are some that definitely take advantage of it and go flying past Bitcoin but most of those are going to come back down at some point. So you, be careful about being in one of those altcoins and saying it's never going to come back down because usually it does. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, if you want to tie it back to what we talked about when we first got into crypto and we first, like you and I were buying, I mean, I, I think at some point I had like 30 different cryptocurrencies. I knew nothing about the majority of them. Uh, but they were like, oh, yeah, okay, try this one. I've heard of this one three times today. I want to buy some. Um, one of those beat Bitcoin. Uh, well, I guess Ethereum and, and uh, Binance Coin were the two of yeah. the thirty that I had that uh, that actually outpaced Bitcoin. So it's just it's it's kind of tough to, to to beat Bitcoin. Well, I think it's one of those things too that going back to getting started, you you need to have some sort of strategy, and that strategy includes taking profits. So especially when you start to get into the altcoins, you have to make sure that um, when those altcoins go up you do take some of those profits back. And whether those profits are in the U.S. dollars or, or what, that's up to you. One of the best strategies I've heard of is kind of a 10, 20, 30, 40. And you can modify this however you want. But um, the way that I have done things is that I have uh, 10% that I keep of that coin. When it, If it does like a 10x, I'll keep 10% of it. 20% goes to Bitcoin, 30% to Ethereum. And then 40% goes back in the U.S. dollars that I can go find more um, other coins that I think are going to do something similar. So whatever that is, and that's usually not going to be a one-time thing, that might be something over time that you get in and out of, um, but make sure you do take profits. And then what, once you do that, now you have you have another coin that if it, it does keep going up, then you still have taken profits out of it and it doesn't really matter what happens. I mean, Ripple went up, what, 20,000% in 2018 or whatever it was. So mm-hmm. if you could find more of those, <laughs> that would be great. Um, well, I think we've covered pretty much everything that we wanted to hopefully accomplish on this first one. I mean, I think the goal was just helping people understand where our heads were when it came to buying Bitcoin. Um, and I think we somewhat explained that pretty well. We'll try to include some of the links in the show notes for everybody to to link to, to understand the proper sites to go to. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to add, Hal, before we kind of sign off? No, I think that's it. I think the first time that you start to to sign up for exchanges and things, um, they're asking you for a lot of personal information, like banking information, uh, you know, know your customer stuff. Um, and I think crypto was the first time I ever had to like 
hold up a driver's license with my picture of my face in the same picture in order to verify who I was. Um, I did see that when I did something for the IRS for some identity verification where I had to hold up my ID and my face in the same picture or, or a series of pictures. So it's like at least maybe sort of that crypto uh, security is, is getting into the mainstream stuff. But I mean, that was a weird day when I like, like this is straight up there. They could definitely rob me. Right. Like I am, I am hackable as it gets uh, when I, when I had to do that. Now, I don't know if, if Coinbase requires that these days or anything like that, or if there's, multiple levels of identification. But uh, I definitely remember doing that. Like, well, here we go. Like, <laughs> there's all of my identity on the internet right now. Yeah, so I think like Stripe still makes you take a picture of the your driver's license now. Uh, the difference, I think, when you and I started, we had to take a picture plus hold a piece of paper up saying the date of when That's you right. were taking the picture. <laughs> <laughs> so I have not seen that happen nearly as much anymore. I guess they've been able to use a timestamp from the pictures, um, but that, that definitely is is the case. I mean, the KYC um, is is a big deal. I think one of the other things that maybe we should point out is the Coinbase's of the world and everybody else they do have restrictions on where you can send things as well too. So um, even having something like an Exodus wallet uh, that allows you to transfer whatever coin you want into that, and then you have complete control of where you send that out, and that can be super helpful as well. So um, we'll, I'll link uh, um, to that as well so that people can look at Exodus in the future too. So, okay. But yeah, so this is uh, this has been interesting. Uh, hopefully we have a few more episodes planned that we can talk about some, some more things of what we thought about in, in terms of crypto. And until then, we'll uh, sign off. All right. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Jason. See you. Thanks for journeying down the crypto rabbit hole with us. If you're interested in learning more about crypto, please join our private Facebook group, Unblocking Crypto. It's a small community discussing new ideas and just asking questions to learn more. Hope to interact with you there.